Good morning. Happy New Year. These are my uh, New Year's glasses. And, uh, and uh, I'll keep these on just for a second because I'm sure they're very distracting. Uh, <laughs> but I hope you had a Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, Chelsea and I went out um, New Year's Eve and uh, we uh, went out to, to eat and there was a family there. And I said, those people are not from California because uh, they were all uh, dressed in shorts and t-shirts and stuff. And uh, sure enough, they're from Utah. They're here for the Rose Bowl. And uh, I checked the, uh, the temperature this morning. It was 17 degrees in Utah. So this was like nice balmy weather for them. Uh, but I hope you had a great uh, uh, New Year's. Did anyone happen to go to the Rose Parade? Anyone? Oh, Renee did. Uh, all right, very good. Uh, and uh, I watched it on TV. In fact, I saw the New Year. I thought saw the New Year's New Year in sound asleep, and Dawson woke me up because he was out on the street yelling and screaming, "Happy New Year!" I'm sure all the neighbors appreciated that. But I'm hope. Uh, but I hope you have. Uh, I hope you do have a happy New Year. You know, I bring. The, I, I wear these glasses, but I'll take them off now because, like I said, I'm sure they're fairly. Uh, distracting. But, uh, you know, we try to bring the energy when it comes to the uh, new year, but I recognize as we enter into 2022, it's kind of with mixed emotions. Because as much as we want to be excited about a new year and anticipate it with, uh, with energy and hoping for all these good things, there's a lot of frightening things around, the, uh, around us all the time, right? We want to enter into with enthusiasm, but there's a lot of anxiety. Remember the good old days when Omicron was just a random letter in the Greek alphabet? Like, we live in a different world today. And uh, there is a lot of things that feel very unsettling and uncertain. You know, every year uh, I like to do, and Pastor Darren mentioned this, but I, but I love to make, like, New Year's resolutions. Uh, first of all, for myself, but then I like to think about what are the goals for us as a church? The last few years, we've set forth what we call big rocks. What's kind of our vision? What are the things that we're going to emphasize in this new year? I, I sat down to uh, think of big rocks this year, and I said, forget it. It's, uh, it, it just feels overwhelming. Uh, who knows what 12 months is going to look like, 12 months from now is going to look like, let alone next month. There's just so much uncertainty, so, much, uh, so many things to, that, that uh, raise our level of anxiety around us. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's just left me feeling a little bit exhausted and weary. So as I came before the Lord and asked him, what does 2022 say, uh, have to hold for us? One thing I did feel uh, that the Lord led, us, led me to, and that is to ground ourselves in a particular book of the Bible as we enter into this new year. Maybe it's a book, be, uh, maybe God directed me to this book because it's a book that I feel like if any book of the Bible I'm familiar with, this is it. Philippians is my favorite book of the Bible. It's so full of hope and joy. It's a book that, uh, of any books in the Bible, uh, Philippians is unique in that Paul has very few words of, of uh, correction. 
but it's just so full of encouragement. And as I sat down to begin to look at the book of Philippians, I was reminded by the fact that Paul, of the fact that Paul wrote this book while he was in prison. So in other words, he didn't uh, write from a place of great uh, comfort and, uh, and, a, and a place where he would feel very settled. Uh, we, if, if we feel unsettled and uncertain about our lives right now, surely uh, Paul felt that way times ten. And yet he writes this book that has so much joy and calm and peace. In fact, uh, and, and we're going to look at the first verses here, Unfortunately, by the way, our, our screen is down. That's why we have uh, the words on paper. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from the, uh, the Bible now. And I just encourage you, open up to Philippians 1. There should be uh, Bibles in the chairs, or you can do it on your phone. Or if you brought your Bible, more power to you. Uh, but we're looking at Philippians 1. Now notice, and I'm going to start at verse 3 after the introduction. Notice the first things that Paul says here in these books, in this book. Verse Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When I read these opening verses of Philippians, the first thing I just want to say is ditto. Like, I agree with those words. When I, when I read that, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Like, that's the way I feel when, oftentimes when I, when I think of West Covina Christian Church. I'm just so thankful that we're together in this that God has brought us together, that we have a work together. It's a partnership in the gospel. Now, we think back on 2021 and then the year before that, and, and automatically our mind goes to a lot of difficulty, right? A lot of, a, a real difficult season of life. But think of all that God has done for us and even through us. When I think of the church, I think a year ago, we were still meeting out on the lawn for outdoor worship. And now we get to uh, gather back in here, and the, the sanctuary's been uh, updated. And I think of the school partnership that we have with Cameron Elementary, and how many dozens of kids that we've been able to help that were falling uh, seriously behind in school, and the partnership that we've developed with Shepherd's Pantry to try to help uh, feed the hungry in our community, and, uh, and uh, the community invitations and evangelism that we're doing every Thursday night. Like, this, all of these things just make me want to say thank you to the partnership that we have together. You see, we're, we're gathered together, Paul says, a partnership in the gospel. We're gathered together to carry out the work of God, to spread the good news of Jesus before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us what we call the Great Commission, right? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That there is our, our Great Commission. That's the partnership that we have in the gospel. This is why we exist as a church to gather together, to work together, to share the good news of Jesus. 
Now, as I was thinking about the Great Commission, maybe I've watched too many football games the last uh, couple days, but uh, this, this reminded me of what takes place in a football game. Now, my father-in-law is here this morning, and he's a football coach, so he could explain this better than uh, I could. But every, on every play in a football game, the, the team huddles together, right? And they call a play. So let's say the quarterback is here, and the, and the, and the uh, coach is sent in the play You're to run a fly route. You know what a fly route is? A fly route is a wide receiver on the end. He makes a, a, he runs as fast as he can to the end zone, and, uh, and then the quarterback's going to try to get all the yards in one big play and score a touchdown. Now, sometimes you call a fly route in the huddle, but the play breaks down. The receiver is covered, and so the quarterback has to go through his progressions. And if he runs out of options, he does what is called a check down. And that means he throws it to the running back in the, in the flat. And now a check down can be a great play, but it's not the play that was originally called. It's a play that you go to when the, when the original play has broken down. You see, when I think of the Great Commission, it's kind of like a check down. The original plan that God had uh, 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 called was for the nation of Israel to be a light to the nations. But that was failing in many ways. They were not uh, obedient to God in the way they, they were uh, to be. And so, God, and so Jesus calls a check down. And it's, it's a change of play. Now the church is God's avenue for, uh, to carry out his work. That's not to say that it was a bad play. In fact, God is doing many great things through the church all around the world. This is, this is a good thing. We're the running back. We're to carry out the work of God. But before we uh, end the analogy, I just want to let you know that the fly route is coming. Like when Jesus comes back, he will, uh, it will get, it'll make up all the distance in one play. God's word and God's work will be done in the end. God's will will be accomplished. Now, in the meantime, in this broken world, it's a broken play, but yet we are to uh, carry out God's work to the very best of our ability. Now, Paul says in this passage, he says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, that the, the work that God has called us to, it will get completed. Like, we don't have to have any doubt about that. Sometimes I think in our uncertain world and the topsy-turvy nature of what we live in, we're like, is God's will going to ever be done? Paul says, I have great confidence. This is a man that's, uh, that's in house arrest with chains around his ankles as he writes this. He says, my confidence hasn't wavered. What God has determined to do, it will be done in the end. And you know, as we gather into 2022, I know our, some of our, sometimes we wonder, what in the world is God up to? And we can rely on this promise that what God has uh, begun, he will bring to completion. And so what do we dedicate ourselves to? Well, in this new year, we dedicate ourselves to the Great Commission, to carrying out the work of God, and then we dedicate ourselves to doing this together in partnership. You see, I am convinced that if any of us were to try to do the work of God just on our own, that is overwhelming. But we're not called to. 
We're called to work together. And that's good news, that you have a brother and a sister and a family that we can be together. Paul says, I'm so thankful every time I think of the partnership that we have together in the gospel. And then he goes on to say in verses 8 and 9, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can you imagine the affection of Christ Jesus? When you think of, God, uh, of, of Jesus uh, in our lives, I always just think of God's smile upon us. Not because we're perfect, but because we're forgiven and he loves us. Jesus' affection towards us is his love, his compassion, uh, his grace. Even when things don't go our way, we know that we are in the grace, uh, we are under the grace of God. As I said, it's amazing to me that Paul writes these words while he's in chains. He says, no matter whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Even while he is imprisoned, Paul can still considers himself under, under the grace of God. He says we share in God's grace with us. And I know it's, some, it's hard for us to get our minds around that God's grace is on us all the time. And sometimes we go through these difficult seasons of life and we're like, how is that God's grace? And maybe it is only in hindsight that we are able to put our finger on and say, oh yeah, God was working out this uh, for our good. But all of life is lived in God's grace, even the difficult th things. God may be trying to bring uh, his best into our lives through the difficulty. There are things that he can accomplish only if we go through these trials and tribulations. Or perhaps it is God's grace when we are disciplined, that God is, uh, is disciplining disciplining us because we are his children and he loves us and he wants us to be formed and molded in a certain way. And perhaps we go through the difficulty because God is teaching us to rely on him more, to draw closer to him. One author said, the fact that we are not dismissed by God, but instead are wooed with his endless patience, unconditionally loved and received with unabashed joy, even while we are still hopelessly less than God created us to be, that is grace. And I think that author is exactly right. Grace is the foundation of our faith. And so we must learn to rely on him. Now Paul goes on to talk about, the, give a prayer of encouraging them to rely on the Lord. In fact, verses 9 through 11 is, are, is one of the most beautiful prayers in all of the Bible, in my opinion. Verses 9 through 11 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now some of you may be looking for New Year's resolutions. Here's a good one for you. Memorize Philippians 1, 9 through 11. 
and use this as a way of praying for one another. You can put in uh, a person's name. May Larry's or Susan's or Eunice's or whoever, may uh, this person's love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that he or she may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If God were to do, the, to do this prayer in our lives, what a blessing. And the foundation of it all, the first thing that he says is, may your love grow. The Christian life is all about love. Love for God and love for one another. Paul, uh, as we pray this, we're praying, may, may each person's love abound more and more. May, they, may it just be overflowing to their family, to their friends, to their co-workers. May their love be overflowing. And it says, may it uh, overflow within knowledge and depth of insight. Now, what's Paul talking about here? What kind of knowledge, what kind of depth of insight is he referring to? Is it, may we grow in our knowledge of God, of his character, of who he is? May we grow in our knowledge of the Bible? May we grow in our uh, depth of insight into the world around us and what God is all about? May we grow in our, in our knowledge or our depth of insight about our own spiritual gifts and God's calling for us? What's he referring to here? And I think the answer is all of the above. May God give us great knowledge, insight. May God help us to know all that he has for us so that our love would increase. You see, we ought to be hungry and thirsty for God, to know him and to, to follow him and, and to see what he is up to in the, world, in the world around us. As we were leading up to Christmas, uh, I was challenged by the Magi who looked into the stars and, and, and were seeking what God was doing in the world, we went to, uh, had great obedience to follow him all the way across the, the desert to find this baby that was born. In the same way, we ought to hunger and thirst for what God is up to in this world. In fact, we live in, a con in confusing times. And may, we, may all, all the more reason to ask for God's knowledge and depth of insight. And then Paul says, may you have this love, may your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you are able to discern what is best. Not just what's good, not just enough to get you through another year and have an adequate life. Uh, God, Paul says here that you may be able to discern what is best. You see, I really do believe, and I've said this over and over again, that the best life possible is a life that is lived with and for Jesus. There's a book that you'll see out there in bookstores right now, uh, written by a Christian author, Joel Olstein. His book is called Your Best Life Possible, right? Now, I'll just let you know up front, I'm not a Joel Olstein fan. You, you read that book, Your Best Life Possible, and it's all about having confidence in yourself, getting worldly things and, and experiencing the best things in this world, the material possessions. Your best life possible has nothing to do with self-confidence. Your best life possible is, it has everything to do with God-confidence 
It has nothing to do with worldly success. It has everything to do with storing up treasures in heaven where, the, where worldly things will not matter, where rust and, and moths do not destroy. You see, the best life possible is a life that is lived with and for Jesus. And so when Paul says to be able to discern what is best, he's, able to, he, he's, he's praying that the, these believers would be able to discern how to live life most closely with Jesus Christ. And may we pray that for one another. God, help us to draw close to one another. And then he goes on to say, so that you may be, and I'll quote from the NAS here, so that you may be sincere and blameless for the for the day of Christ. The word sincere come the English word sincere comes from two Latin words. Sine, which means without, and sera, which means wax. Sincere literally means without wax. When they originally came up with the word, it was because uh, they were it was a word for buying honey. And you wanted pure honey, right? No beeswax. So they'd say, this is sincere honey, no wax, it's pure, it, uh, it has the, the, the best nature to it. Now the ancient, in the ancient world, they also, the art world began to pick up on this idea of sincere because uh, they would, because uh, in the ancient world, they were, one of the, the prizes when it came to art was a, a stone sculpture, Right? Now think of Michelangelo's uh, David or one of these massive sculptures. I've never tried to sculpt anything out of stone, but I can imagine it's very hard. The hammer and a chisel, and you're trying to make this this, uh, image. And surely they messed up once in a while. And the hammer slips or the chisel slips, and you chop off an earlobe or a nose, right? And you're like, oh man, you got to start all over. Unless, unless you try to hide your mistake. And so what uh, some sculptors would do is they would get wax and they'd mix it in with the stone particles and, and with the dust and they could make it look just like the stone and then they'd reattach an earlobe or reattach a nose. And so uh, a, a buyer would come in and they'd say, oh, I want this nice statue and they'd take it home so proud of it, put it in their front yard so all the neighbors could see The problem was the sun would come up on a hot day and the wax would get soft and the earlobe would fall off again. And so they began to refer to some sculptures as sincere. No wax. They're perfect. They're through and through. And uh, Paul is Uh, challenges us to pray this for one another. May we be sincere. May we be pure through and through. As I've been uh, studying this passage for this week and and just reflecting upon my own life, this is where the application comes for me. You know, as I've been uh, thinking about these verses, as I said, I feel like the Lord is calling us to study through uh, Philippians The question that the Lord asked me is, do you have mixed motives? Or are your motives sincere? Are they pure? And I'll have to admit, I've had to confess sin to the Lord. There are 
there are times in my life where I, I think I long for the right things, but my motives are mixed. I, long, I, I genuinely long for God to be glorified, but I also want to receive some glory myself. I want to receive a little credit along the way. I genuinely long to build up the kingdom of God, but I also want to build up Corey's kingdom. And I think uh, God is calling us to examine our own motives and say, do you have mixed motives or are you sincere in your desires? You see, if we are to live godly lives before Jesus Christ, it means that there is no mixture that we're fully focused on Jesus and, and living for him. And that's what I see here in this passage. Paul has pure motives And so I challenge us with this. How about you? As you work, are you working to build up your own kingdom or the kingdom of God? As you uh, raise your family, are you seeking to build up your own kingdom or the kingdom of God? As you use your money, your time, your talents, your gifts, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the glory of God or are you focused on your own glory? We've got to check our motives Paul closes his prayer this way by saying, all to the glory and praise of God. That's what it means to be sincere. That's what it means to be focused on God. All to God's glory and praise. As I said, over the next few months, we'll be going uh, through the book of Philippians. And so do you know how the church in Philippi started? We're told about this in, in Acts 17. Uh, Paul is on what we call his second missionary journey, and he's been travel and he's been serving in Galatia. Now, if I, if the screen was working, I'd, I'd show you. There's Galatia, and then there's Asia, and and then there's Macedonia. And uh, Paul has been in Galatia here, but he's been wanting to go to Asia. And it says that every time he tries to go to Asia, God closes the door. Or God sends his Holy Spirit to say, you're not to go to Asia. And so I can imagine this has been his desire. This is what he wants to do. And I would say he's even probably in his own heart, he's had pure motives. God, I want to go there for your glory. But God keeps saying no. One One night after a long day of ministry, surely wanting to have God's vision as I'm a person of vision. I, I would love to know exactly where the Lord is leading us. But, but Paul takes off his shoes and he lays down in bed. And in his exhaustion, maybe even in his frustration, he falls asleep. And it, while he's sleeping, he has a vision. And the vision is a very uh, humble vision. It's a, one man who appears to Paul and he says... Uh, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Paul wakes up in the morning and he goes and he wakes up Timothy and his other companions and he says, we're going to Macedonia. And they probably said, what about Asia? We've been trying to go to Asia this whole time. And Paul says, the Lord is calling us to Macedonia. So you know how to get to uh, Macedonia? They had to go through Asia, but they didn't stop along the way. They go through Asia, and then they have to cross the Aegean Sea, but they finally arrive in Macedonia, and they come to the, t- the city of Philippi. Philippi is right there on the coast, and they go to a river, 
that runs through Philippi and enters into the Aegean Sea. And as they uh, uh, get to the uh, river, it was on the Sabbath. And on this Sabbath day, I don't know why they were there at the riverbank. Maybe it was they were washed their hands and prepared to go to the synagogue to worship or whatever reason they are there. But while they are there, they meet a group of women, which is what you would expect early in the morning at the river. But this, uh, you would expect the women had gathered there to wash their clothes or to do the dishes. But these women, it says, had gone there to pray. And so surely that caught Paul and his companions' attention. And he sees them praying. And so he approaches them. And he begins to share the good news of Jesus with them. Now of these women, there was one woman by the name of Lydia. The Bible tells us that she is a dealer in purple cloth. Uh, purple cloth was a, was a rare commodity during the first century. It was considered to be a royal color. All the, the kings and the Herods and, and everyone would want to be wearing purple. Uh, Lydia was one, who had, uh, uh, was one who dealt this cloth, and so she had a position, a home in the city. And she was the one person that received Jesus as her Savior and Lord. Now, uh, Lydia said, hey, Paul, and uh, why don't you and your companions stay with me? I have a home here in the city. And from there, her family was saved, and then eventually others uh, came to know Jesus as well. It started as a house church. But I read that story, and to me, it has very humble beginnings, a, a little vision Paul, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Not help us lead a revival. Not help us plant a church. Just simply help us. He comes to the riverbed and there's a group of women. Women were not the most respected in society. If you were going to start a church strategically, you'd probably get the religious leaders who were all men. But here is one woman and she's the only one that comes to faith. Very humble beginnings. But it started small, but it, began to be, it became a church that Paul loved. He loved so much that one day he would say, I thank my God every time I think of you. I remember you. I thank God. I always thank God with, um, I, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, you all share with me in God's grace. It is right, uh, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. And I would add this uh, to Paul's words here because this is my prayer for West Covina Christian Church in 2022. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As we enter into this new year, I've decided as we go through Philippians, I'm going to try to memorize the book of Philippians. 
Not because I want to, not because this is for building my own kingdom or receiving any sort of credit, but, but because I want to be grounded in God's word. I really do believe, even though I don't have a grand vision, that this is going to be an exciting year. I believe that God is up to something. And I believe that uh, he is calling us to remember two things as we start here. These uh, 2022 glasses have two lenses. One I think we ought to remember is that we are in partnership with one another. We are to live uh, together. And so I am confident that this upcoming year we're going to give a great emphasis to, to community together. To, uh, to the life groups, to ministering together. We, uh, we, we should not live our lives alone, but be intentional about being with one another. And then the, the second lens I think God is challenging us to is no mixed motives, that we would do everything fully dedicated to the Lord. He gets all the praise and the glory. As we enter into 2022, like I said, I wish I had big rocks. I wish I had this grand vision, and I believe God's going to lay it out as we go through Philippians. But these two things I'm confident of, that we have to maintain God's perspective. And God's perspective uh, for us as we enter into an uncertain year, God's perspective for us is to remember that we are to live in partnership with one another, and we are to do everything for the glory of God.